Cool. So we are live. Thank you guys for tuning in to Mogs once again. Today we have a very special guest on, Mr. Connor Kovacs. We are all friends with him at MI40. He's a beast, to put it simply, but I do not want to accidentally under overstate anything because today we are going to make it about him, let him tell his story, um, have a brief outline so we think we can make sure we absolutely deliver a lot of useful things to you. But without further ado, take it away, Connor. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Um, and sweet, I mean, we can just dive right in. I really hate intros and whatnot, so like, you can just get to know me as the conversation goes on. Um, but pretty much topic one we have right here is for like why I stopped my pro debut. And I think I spoke to most of you about it. Maybe Tom is the only person I haven't really talked to about it. Um, but got to about the four or five week out point uh, show was supposed to be on July 21st, pulled the plug on July 4th. And um, there was about like a month where like, yes, you go to robot mode in prep, but like you're still able to do the things you're supposed to do. Like discipline takes over. Well, I just became a fucking nothing like training went to shit all of mental health went to shit like i spoke to somebody about it the other day and they're like oh like yeah you get it you get irritable you get angry on prep and i was like no i had no emotion at all it was just complete shutdown of fucking everything um uh everything in terms of pursuing my own business went to shit client um responses went to shit so just a bunch of stacked on stacked negatives that after four weeks of that cumulatively um, just piling on to one another, it was like, yeah, what's the, what's the reward at the end of this line? Like what was the, what made that worth it to push three more weeks and be like, oh yeah, there was eight weeks of my life that I just basically fucking gave up everything. Not in the sense of I'm giving up everything to, hyper focus on this one goal but like just gave up everything in terms of any ounce of effort towards anything i was basically just eating the food and getting a third of a way through a training session before it just would halt so like there was no the pros cons list wasn't there the the pros list was what i step on stage and i, I that's my pro debut cool i might place top five and win fifty dollars cool at the end of it though the reward wasn't there so it was just more so like a decision one to kind of get my life back and then two as i was going through all this it just was a shitty mental hole to be in entirely so at the end of the day it was just the best decision to make for myself um yeah it's kind of the long and short of it what um pro shows were you getting ready for just for the audience to know Chicago Pro and then Tampa Pro, which was, I think, two weeks directly after that. And um, you were kind of touching on, like, just seems like everything was going to shit. Um, so everyone does know you are a full-time coach as well, right? Yes. So everything is in terms of sitting in this office here, <laughs> um, trying to generate new clients. I'll work on my own business itself and push that forward and then also make sure my current uh, clients are continuing to get the responses and results they want to see. 
And so where were, where did you feel like you were falling um, in terms of like, was it just being able to focus or like just generally not giving a shit about anything or yeah. Dude, there was, I can't put a finger on the best way to describe the emotion. It was like, it was just depression, just masked differently. The best is the best way I can put it. Like where, I don't know if John, you've ever suffered through any type of depression, but like you wake up in the morning and you're like, cool. I have my day ahead of me. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm not going to do any of that shit. I'm just going to go lay the fuck back in bed and turn the lights off and hide. Um, it was depression masked with like a bodybuilding prep. So like I would get my client check-ins in, in the morning, I'd have responses to make and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll answer all that later when I have like a 15 minute window of like mental clarity, but that's all I would get is like a 15 minute window where I could sit down, bang it all out and then go hide again and do nothing. <laughs> um, it just wasn't conducive for any type of positivity at all. So <clears throat> I have a question off the back end of that. What was the turning point that you feel um, sort of made you go down kind of that negative path? And also what was the point where you started to uh, notice it yourself? Because, you know, we can kind of spin our wheels uh, for a little bit before we actually notice uh, some of those things taking place in our lives. So turning point, I can actually pinpoint it because um, I kind of, not 100%, but I'm very confident as to why this happened. Um, I, as an individual in the sport, obviously we take performance-enhancing drugs. I don't aromatize anything heavily at all. So when we're not taking heavy aromatizing compounds and then also stacking an AI on top of it, then my estrogen levels just fucking go flat line to zero or close to it. And personally, like I operate best. I like a 50, 60 E2. And when I get sub 30, then I just start to become a prick. And then I become depressed. And that's where I realized it's pretty much where I become depressed. I become fucking nothing. Um, so specifically in my uh, PED protocol, is I can pinpoint the week when certain things dropped, changed, and were added that I can kind of surmise, oh, this is probably where my E2 started to drop very heavily. And then this is where my <laughs> decrease in mental health came in. Um, and then physically, I realized it was probably worth pulling the plug when I had like five days in a row, I would go in, I would do like one set in the gym. And I was like, I don't have motivation to do another one. I also don't have any energy in my body to do another one. So, and I'm sure you all know, like you flatline your fucking E2, like you have no pop, you have no fullness, you have like, you feel shit physically. So by the fourth or fifth session in the gym, I was like, what the fuck? This is just terrible. So kind of put those two together and um, conversation with the lady and realizing, yeah, this isn't fucking good. I was going to ask about the estrogen. Yeah, you. that's why I was like showing my phone. And I was just like, yep, that was exactly yeah. the question. Because I know for me, and I, I don't think it's just me, I think it's a pretty common thing. Um, obviously, there's a lot that goes into whatever mindset you're currently at. But 
as soon as I hear no emotion or numb or something along those lines, I do tend to think, okay, well, you know, maybe they're depressed, but acutely um, in a bodybuilding sense, maybe their estrogen is just very, very low. And for those who are casual listeners, not super into bodybuilding and listen to this, when Connor was referring to E2, there's a lot of different types of estrogen, but there's three different main types. But um, estradiol is what we're going to call ultra sensitive estrogen. So that's usually what you're going to be picking up when you actually do a blood test. So he was explaining that, you know, that's usually what he's looking for. Um, in addition to obviously just the normal mental sides that he was experiencing. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, was there a point? Well, says, what are your beliefs on how long you should maintain um, close to your ideal off-season levels of estrogen leading into a show, both from a physical standpoint, because you were talking about how you were, when you were training, you get a pump, had no fullness, all these things, and also from a mental side, after going through that process and identifying that as one of the issues, what are your perspectives on how you would handle that going forward in the prep? Uh, Coach and I actually already talked about this, and what we're going to do is not run any AIs until 10 days out and then see how that goes. And then also probably have a better communication on how I'm feeling in those senses. Now that we're a little bit more hyper aware of it, get labs pulled mid prep. If I have to on a quick, uh, quick draw, if I have to, um, but I don't know. I've done this so many damn times now that I kind of have an idea of when certain compounds are at certain doses. I can tell you exactly how I'm going to feel for each and every one of them. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think estrogen is something that needs to be tanked personally. So where does your, um, your estrogen usually sit? Like if you were to run a, a cycle, you know, of a gram a week or, or whatever the case may be, um, or where would it have, I guess, where would it have sat in prep if you didn't take an AI, I guess could be another question. I still think fairly low. So obviously this is just, this is just, yeah, this is just going to be anecdotal conversation or anecdotal speculation. Um, but before prep started, I was on a gram and a half of androgens total 750 tests, 300. What was it? 750 test, 400 mast E. 350 primo or some, something of that um, combination. So a gram and a half total. And my estrogen came back out of 32. So between the benefits of Masteron and Primo bringing down estrogen, and I've seen some bring it down heavily, some not so heavily. Like my coach, Chris, he doesn't think that the usage of mast and primo are going to have that heavy of a benefit on um, a reduction of estrogen. But in my case, it did. Now, do I know where my, well, actually, let's, let's see. A year ago, I was running something similar, but with NPP in the mix. It was 750 tests, I think 300 primo, 150 NPP something similar to that. And my estrogen came back at like a 60 and I felt fine. So depends on the compound, depends on the dose. But I think when 
I think I'm always in a safe range when I'm using like Mast and Primo um, with test base. And I can run test alone up to like 750 and still have like a 50 E2 and feel fine. Have you noticed that as you get older, uh, your aromatization gets a little bit lower or has this been something that you've always um, had to deal with on a prep? So this is the probably the past two years is the first time I've utilized more responsible head usage and different um, methodologies where um, test wasn't kept as high. So typically like in the past for preps, I would run like 750, 900 tests all the way until like 10 days out from the show. So then if an aroma, so then if an AI was introduced, testosterone was high enough so where it was, wasn't tanking it. Now in more recent times, I would use less test going into a show and then putting in the AI onto it. So then less aromatizing factor and then an AI on top of it. So then I'd be bringing it closer down to a shitty level for myself. So I guess it was more so just the ratios in the past. Um, granted, I don't know if you guys all saw my post from the other day. Like when I got into bodybuilding, fuck, I did drugs all the wrong fucking ways. Like absolutely the wrong fucking ways. And I am extremely lucky that my labs and my internal health was resilient enough to where I did not end up with any long-term issues. Um, but when I started bodybuilding versus how my body reacts now to all those things, it's so different. So fucking different. <laughs> I, I run less, I use less, but now the impact is greater on how I feel on them. Where like back then I was like, okay, cool. 500 plus milligrams of trend a week. And now I'm like, can we do like 150? Can we keep it at like 150? That would be great. <laughs> do you think it's that? Or do you think it's you're more aware of side effects now? Because I know when I like in, in asking, you know, new clients and as most of us here are coaches, um, maybe not all full time, but I know Ben still had people at, you know, USA's and North Americans at a very high level. Um, I know for a fact, like trying to pull accurate biofeedback out of, newer clients can be very very hard so do you think it's more that like you're just aware of those side effects or is it like you've just literally your body now handles drugs differently or maybe a combination both. of yeah De definitely a combination of both because probably my first three years in the sport oh i was an asshole on prep <laughs> fucking hell um the worst type of human um, now when clients come to me and they're like, Hey, I'm a little bit irritable. How do I handle this during prep? I'm like, you have to go through what I did. You have to be self-aware, realize when you stub your toe, you do not have to break the chair in the other room. The chair didn't do it to you as much as you want to break the chair. You have to breathe deeply and get through it. It's just that internal conversation you have to have with yourself that I've gotten much, much better at. So that self-awareness is there. Um, but no, I 100% feel like if I were to take a cycle now, like I did in 2018, I would stop after I would I would I wouldn't last like a week and a half, maybe two weeks tops, I would just feel fucking awful.
I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be worth it. It doesn't matter what the gym performance, sexual performance, fucking physique performance wouldn't matter. I would just be like, this is fucking terrible. I would, I would just hate it. <laughs> what, uh, just to satisfy people's curiosity, what kind of example of dosages were you messing with back then? <laughs> oh, great. We're going to really fucking shoot me in the foot with this one. Um, <laughs> this is what not to do. <laughs> Oh, 110%. So I don't think I was up to the every other day thought process at this point. So it was still probably like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, injection. So probably the last four weeks of prep, like 700 test trend masked across the board. And then whatever orals at the time, I was like, oh, this is... At that point in time, AJ Sims fucking protocols were leaked. So I was like, oh, if this is what this motherfucker's doing with his clients, let me do something similar. That's a, that's a pretty high one, so let me cut it in half. But cutting in half AJ Sims' fucking protocol that was leaked was going from 200 winning to 100 winning a day. So it's like, I did some stupid shit on that side of things. Mm, stupid stupid. Oh, yeah, no. Like... Huh? <laughs> I said, I'll go on record saying I like 100 Winnie. I, I fucking, I, it drives me out and I feel great. Uh, See, my liver just fucking hates it. I mean, it's only for like the last two weeks running it into the show. Yeah. I'm not running it for like eight weeks at, you know, 200 no. milligrams of orcs. But yeah, I'll titrate it up pretty heavily the last week. Although some people no, like the same. What'd you say, Ben? No, I've, I've got. <laughs> I said, although some people like to do that for eight weeks and wonder why they're all fucked up. Yeah. But, um, okay, I mean, I guess we can sort of shift into something along something else. Um, what would be sort of a checklist, if you will, of, hey, are you ready to do this extremely difficult task of going through a prep um you know whether that be mentally or i think we're mainly focusing on mental stuff so mentally where should you be um theoretically before you start something like this i think the mental ties into everything though because something that i'm going to be doing moving forward with all of my prep clients is a pre-prep survey ah. to make sure that they are even able to do a competition prep um because it's i don't know if i'm lucky for the experience or unlucky as a coach but i've had three or four clients in the past year and a half i've had a pull from prep because just their life their relationship their mental state was not in a position to do a prep where one, the results weren't going to be achieved that we wanted to see, but then two, it was like, we're fighting an uphill battle. We're just going to put you into a much worse area, um, much worse place. So like, we're not going to continue to risk health for no uh, reward on the back end. And, and so I guess like, what would you say? Cause I've had this myself, right? Like I had a guy who we were, um, we went through a health phase. He was literally like two weeks into his protocol for nationals. Um, nationals, I think now is like 10 weeks out, nine, something like that. Um, and two weeks in, he had just had a newborn like four weeks earlier. 
And, you know, before we had that talk, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, I understand you want to do this show. Like, we just took this long year away from the stage. Um, in 2021, he did Tampa. Um, no, we're 23. So 22, he did Tampa on the amateur side and won the overall. So he was like extremely excited and everything. And, and I was like, okay, like, I, I know that you're extremely responsive to cortisol, right? Like this is the guy who wakes up one hour earlier and it's like, he's holding three more pounds. So I was like, okay, I'll tell you what, we can give it a try. Um, but if we see a negative response, I'm going to pull you out. Right. And of course, like a newborn baby. And I, I don't want to say that this individual had his priorities messed up. You know, because when I was younger, fuck, I, I've I've been on the record saying I was working the front desk at a Gold's gym, prepping for my first show, asking my mom to pay my entry fee. So my priorities were definitely fucked up. Um, he has a job and everything like that, and it kind of just again aligned with like, you know what, I want to give this a try. This is my goal. Ultimately, obstacles are always going to be in a way, um, but as I think our job as a coach is to make it like, hey, yeah, you told me you want to go on vacation at the end of summer. That's cool. We're not going to take a week break four weeks out from your show. Right. So what kind of things, I guess you or I guess everyone are you looking for when going into a contest prep? I mean, I think Connor nailed it for one of the most important ones where he was saying you have to be, I would say exceptionally self-aware because you are likely going to put at least some androgens in you that are going to make it harder for you to control yourself. And maybe that's a harsh way to put it, but that is the truth. You have to have a very great ability to objectively think, okay, I don't need to destroy this object that I happen to bump into. I don't need to say something to my partner that really didn't need to be said or just came out in a way more aggressive tone that's helpful for the conversation. There's a lot of times where you're going to have to make yourself stop and think for two to five seconds before you open your mouth, cause an action, all of that. I think if there is one thing that's of paramount importance besides maybe physical health, it would be that, but that's just the first thing off the top of my head so someone else can jump off. I, I mean, would say I, financially um, as well, you got to be in a good financial spot. I think that also plays in with mental health. I mean, bodybuilding is a sport that it's pretty expensive and you don't get much out of it in terms of finances. So uh, as long as someone has a good functioning job, I think that also plays a good role in maintaining mental health as well. I think it's overall stability, just a, just environmental and life stability being able to look out to your next 12 16 20 weeks of life and be like cool i don't have anything drastic planned to come up my life is in a good position where if an obstacle does arise i'm able to pivot or make my way around it um or on the other side of things you're just experienced enough in this that you're able to pivot when there are things on your schedule like when i was when i was getting ready for the chicago pro I had to go to my little brother's wedding, which was eight weeks out from the show. That was no issue. I had done that before. I had my food on the plane, got off the plane, got the rental car, went straight to Whole Foods, from Whole Foods to my parents' house, straight to the grill. And like, that's just another fucking day. I've been doing this eight years. It's nothing like, oh shit, hey coach, how do I, how do I make this happen? Like, for, and like, 
as a newer coach with a lot of newer clients and a lot of newer competitors, competitive clients, that's the one question I am starting to figure out how to answer less and less of where it's like, Hey, I'm in prep or I'm supposed to be in prep or this thing's coming up. How do I stay on track? Like you just do, you want to make it happen. So you plan ahead and you execute based on whatever your life is able to coordinate for that plan that you set for yourself. My plan was easy, plain, Whole Foods, parents' house, and the grill. You might have to go plain fucking six miles west from your parents' house to a different store that because they don't have what you need, drive another 20 miles to something else because they don't have what you need, and then to an Airbnb and cook because you can't stay in that hotel because there's no kitchen. But <laughs> everyone's gonna have to be everyone has to everyone has to be able to pivot. It's not on the coach and it's not on blaming life that you had something come up. It's just being able to like, have experience or the preparedness and ability to pivot around an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think also Tom touched on it very good. Like, you know, kind of having your ducks in the line is the biggest thing. Right. Um, and, and you said it couldn't be any more beautiful of like the next four to five months, you kind of got to have a pretty good idea what the next half year life is going to look like. So if you're taking vacations, understanding that, hey, we're going on vacation, probably not going to be able to take this vacation the exact same way that I would like to, right? Like if you're going to the OBX, because we're on the East Coast and everyone loves to go there, um, or they love to come here and annoy us in Tampa, um, <laughs> then you got to understand like, hey, you probably still got to get your ass up, go do your fast cardio before you go to the beach all day. Um, if, if Connor prescribes 10,000 steps or whatever, well, walk your ass on the beach, whatever that case may be. Right. Uh, but I do want to touch on one thing. Cause we talked on this last podcast, um, or maybe, I don't know how many it's been now, but like the mental health side, right. We, I think the three of us touched on it very briefly. Tom was having some issues, but what, um, because you mentioned, I'll, I'll be completely straightforward. Like the biggest mental sides that I've had is more of kind of like the pressure that comes with doing well within the sport. Um, I've never had any, um, I guess, like negative thoughts that come from drugs. I always say that, you know, Halo is an aggressive drug, but at that point, it's two, three weeks out. Is it I'm just an asshole or is it the drug? Who knows? Probably more of <laughs> me being an asshole. Um, what, what, uh, and I ask, I actually want to ask you guys, does anyone else notice that? Are you, when you guys take Halo, are you more aggressive? Do you have to take? Oh, them? yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Never I just can't, it. Yeah, uh, I can't pinpoint it. So right. I really don't know. There's a reason that every, not every powerlifter, but there's a reason that it's so popular in powerlifting. They will take things to kind of purposely mentally fuck themselves up in a sense because strength is mostly a CNS driven thing. It's not necessarily just about how much actin and myosin is within your muscles. Yeah. It's a little bit different than bodybuilding. And obviously a lot of sensors is Sierra head on when she was on, but yeah, no halo check drops, which is kind of like oral trust, um, methyl trend, um, and a few other orals, um, are really like, they're not going to have joint issues like Winnie, but they will make you borderline rabid. And that's why you'll hear about like, Oh, Mike Tyson is on record saying that he took check drops, AKA my bull run. If maybe someone else has heard of that instead of check drops, like 
when he bit the guy's ear off and stuff like that. Like it, it absolutely can make you more animalistic. And it goes back to the, if you can't control yourself, you're not going to have a good time on those things. If you can though, it, I mean, it can make parallels and be a ton of fun from, you know, what I've heard. Totally just from what I've heard. From what I've heard. <laughs> from what I've heard, you know. <laughs> I think I'm an asshole, so I, I can't pinpoint if it's the drugs or just me normally. Um, but yeah, I, take I, some in the off season. <laughs> I, I think though, whenever you know any compound is a negative for you, you're gonna know. Because um, like in a prep for me, yeah, I'm obviously more irritable. I'm tired and hungry, but like I've never been able to actually pinpoint hey it's definitely because i just started taking trend or yeah. like connor said my estrogen's too low like i've never been able to really grasp what specifically is doing it so for me i think it's honestly probably just i'm tired um sure like trend's gonna make you a little more aggressive regardless but i've taken it in the off season and it's it doesn't make me anywhere near what i am when i'm in prep so that tells me that like hey it's probably just a prep thing um, but yeah, it, that just sort of exemplifies why it's very important to know what these things are going to do to you <laughs> before you take them. Um, you know, and, and you can't really do that without experimenting and trying them out yourself, but, you know, maybe don't take, uh, 500 milligrams if you're not sure what it's going to do to you. Um, maybe start on a more conservative path, but I don't know where I was going. 700. Se se seven. Yeah, definitely. I've never done it before. So, you know. 700 is, is a good idea <laughs> but it, it just it, it equates to one a day and if you yep. look at it like that one is smaller than seven so one yeah, a day it's like a daily multivitamin man just exactly every day <laughs> but i guess we can we can try to kind of tie that to one of the pinpoints we want to talk about which is like aa mental sides and things like that right like uh, is everyone of the thought process of if you're an asshole and you take drugs they're gonna make you a bigger asshole Yes, there's just one thing that I wanted to add before we get into this part because it'll provide yeah, for everything we say after. So a lot of these things that we're talking about play into other things. So for example, Ben, you're saying like trend doesn't necessarily mess you up too much, but it's hard to tell. Well, trend tends to mess up your sleep. So if trend messes up your sleep and sleep messes you up, then a few steps removed, trend kind of messes you up. Just for an example of how that works for me, for example, once my sleep gets messed up, and before that, on trend, I'm just ridiculously energetic, almost manic, and ridiculously disturbingly horny. Um, and then oh, I miss being 18. Go, yeah, and then to go way back to what we were talking about with um, estrogen earlier, how the aromatase enzyme works when you're much leaner, it's going to be a lot easier to tank your estrogen. You're not as going. You're not going to have as much aromatase activity. So once again, it's like, did the AI do it? Or is it just all of these things being played together that made me react more adversely to that AI or even to a DHT that has a CERM-like effect that has then brought down my estrogen? So also another aspect that we didn't really talk about too, too much, but it's kind of sprinkled in with other things we have talked about is food focus. You go into a prep and you are already very food focused, you are setting yourself up to go down a dark path because... I don't care how mentally strong you are. I mean, if you've done this many, many times, you're going to be more self-aware of where you're at and you should be able to control it better. But especially for newer people, if you're already food focused and your metabolism's not 
to the point where you can sneak in a cheat meal a week or something like that in the beginning, you're not positioning yourself in a good place to have a good relationship with food, even remotely, even shortly after your prep. Um, I just wanted to say all that. So we can go to the next topic if you want, or if you guys have anything to add to that, go for that too. Uh, I mean, I think you're, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think your shifts nicely into the, or your last statement shifts nicely into the next topic of um, where John led into it. Of uh, If you take, if you're an asshole and then you put gear on top of it, it just makes you more of an asshole. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I listen to Fuwat's podcast all the time and they always talk about um, gear just enhances whatever current natural personality uh, that you have. Now, can it, depending on the concoction you take, shift your personality and then amplify the things that may not have been typical prominent pieces to who you are? Yeah. But at the forefront, I think it's just going to already and immediately be like, okay, cool. If you were an asshole, you're just going to be a much bigger asshole and to whatever other personality traits that you can link that to you go from tight to gaping so we don't want that keep keep it tight someone else obviously i can't be left alone someone else go no no, i so then like (laughs) um in in terms of that and like the the side effects because obviously you know there was a very good post by uh hunter about this and things like that Uh, you can share as much as you want I think we briefly touched on it in terms of like the kind of like negative thoughts, but like, what were you dealing with in terms of, of that? Was it like, you know, besides the, I just don't want to do anything. Were you having negative thoughts of like, you know, potentially harming yourself or was it like more just like, you know what, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything that i literally have on my plan. Cause as I mentioned, I've never personally um battle battled with those so i do think that it would be nice to kind of you know anyone who is going through those thoughts right now especially with like the passing of uh neil and some other people in the industry yeah so um i mean shit i'm gonna toss this back to 2020 for this um <clears throat> back in 2020 i was supposed to get ready for north americans in the midst of um covid and then got to the point where at the time I was working um, local government in a pretty um, high demand job where realistically people's lives were actually not in jeopardy, but could be in jeopardy if I fucked up on my job site. Um, And my supervisor started to notice like, Hey, you're kind of getting lazy and not depressive, lazy, but lazy. in the fact that I was hungry and tired, I was getting lean. I was hungry and tired and prep was, prep was doing the normal prep things, but my supervisor got on my ass about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I have to keep this job right now. Um, so I backed out of that prep and, um, a few weeks later, uh, was when the, it was the first time I started to in my entire life ever experience any type of depressive, um, tendencies fast forward. Then another six to seven weeks i'm crying in my office for like the fourth time that week and my mom's texting me like hey you're coming home on sunday dad's gonna be there pack up your shit get in the truck and drive back to new york from colorado so i moved back home in 2020 lived with my parents for about two and a half months um and went through my first ever like yeah this is depression this fucking sucks 
Um, <clears throat> and I was lucky enough, though, where I was just mentally aware and completely unashamed of anything where I was like, hey, mom, something's not right. Hey, hey, my little brother. Hey, my best friend. Hey, I reached out to Ben. I'm sure at that point in time, he had uh, actually stayed at my um, apartment not too uh, not too long uh, before this had happened. I was just reaching out to people who cared for me. Um, ended up sleeping on a couch of my friends a couple nights, where I was like, I'm just not okay. Like, I nine o'clock at night, I'd be sitting on my counter just fucking crying. I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'd be on the phone with my little brother. I'm like, I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't stop crying. So I was lucky enough to be very self-aware that something was wrong and able to admit something was wrong. Because at the end of the day, like I didn't reach out to some random people and were, was like, hey, I need your sympathy. And they were able to cast judgment on me. I was just reaching out to the people I knew who were in my circle who actually cared for me and be like, hey, I just need to express to you something's not right. What should I do? Um. And then ever since then, I've just been hyper aware of the good days, the bad days. And like when I do start to feel similarly to that um, and how drugs play into that. So um, this past off season, maybe probably had to have been February or March. We tried experimenting with trend in the off season, 150 milligrams a week. Day three, I or maybe like it was week week two, I don't know. Um, I remember sitting on my toilet and thinking to myself, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. We're dropping that fucking drug. Um, and was e immediately able to be like, okay, well, here's the new variable in my life. Typically, trend makes me angry, but I've had depression in the past. So now it's not really making me aggressive. It's making me depressed. And I was like, well, yeah, so we're going to drop this drug and I'm not going to want to feel that way anymore. Um, so that was probably my only instance of where drug implementation almost directly correlated to bad thought. Um, and then this past prep, I don't remember if I had those thoughts at all. I think it was just blank. It was just fucking like an empty void. Uh, to best to best call it that. Granted, like that's probably the most accurate thing to call it because then after I dropped the AI, after I dropped the trend, after four days of resetting, um, sleeping and eating some good food, I was like, okay, cool. Here's a smile for the first time in like five weeks. Um, but no, during during the prep phase, I don't think I had any of those like direct negative thoughts. <clears throat> here yeah, i don't know i was just gonna say i don't know if anyone else had something they wanted to touch on that or yeah i was so some of the deaths in bodybuilding um you know also incorporate recreational drug use I'm curious if anyone ever has any experience whether it be the off season or on prep where they found themselves utilizing um, substances that, you know, maybe aren't traditionally associated with bodybuilding or aren't, aren't going to directly be a, a PED in a sense. Um, so wh whether it was a conscious decision to use it, like for example, end of prep, super freaking mad, um, say smoke a bunch of weed every day, like way more often than you would or something. 
the weird topic, but we know that people have taken this very, very far, such as Rich Piana, not that he was really too much of a competitor, but other figures like that. Do you guys have any, uh, whether it's personal or other stories of, it can be horror stories, it can be just, oh yeah, I smoke a little weed at the end of prep to keep myself sane, like, you guys got anything like that? Um, I sort of do, I mean, a little, it's not that exciting, but um, my last prep, I kind of shut down in a sense as well, like I wasn't, it wasn't quite as severe as what Connor's explained, but um, with my last one, I think I quit my job maybe like four weeks out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. that. Yeah, I quit my job and I was like, man, I just don't want to serve tables anymore. Like I can barely fucking do this prep. So like I'm going to quit my job. Don't do that if you're out there contemplating that. Don't You need a job. So like that was stupid. But then I also started smoking a bunch of pot um, because – when you like, I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but whenever I smoke and I'm in prep and I'm really tired, you know, that like heavy feeling in your legs where you're like, fuck, like, I just can't move my legs and it hurts. It takes it away from me. And I'm like, oh, I just feel like I'm really tired still, but like, I'm not achy. I'm not like, oh, my body's just so heavy. Like it takes that feeling away. But then as a result, you don't do it. you're very lazy like I quit my job and I fucking watched cooking shows in my bed all day I got up went and did my cardio came home showered watched like cooking shows in bed took a nap got up ate went to the gym came back back to the cooking shows like I just fucking went to the gym and came home on and laid in bed like that was it and as a result you know you you have this like lack of control in your life or this feeling of lack, lack of control because you quit your job. So now in the back of your head, you're thinking, shit, how am I going to make money? I don't know how to do this. So it's really just like a, let me get through this four weeks. But if that four weeks is ruining the rest of your life, then it's not worth it. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, like I keep saying, I quit my job and I also fucking lost my girlfriend at the time, you know, fast forward to now it worked out amazingly, but like, you know, I think that prep for sure probably threw that relationship over and and ended it quicker than it would have. It would have ended anyway for other reasons that people who know me know, but it ended it quicker because I didn't fucking do anything. Okay. And I think maybe the best advice for the last four or three, whatever weeks, whenever it gets hard for you is doing everything you would have done anyway. Like go to work, (laughs) you know, walk your dog, do all the things that you normally would do. And don't just like sit on the couch and wait for it to be over. Cause first of all, it's going to make it feel longer and you're going to drive down your neat. So you're going to have to probably do more, more cardio because you're just sitting on your ass the rest of the day. So it's really just staying active until it's over um, rather than just shutting down and only doing your bodybuilding tasks, because then you're really only going to be thinking about how bad prep sucks. Cause there's nothing else that you can do or think about. So, um, yeah, that was a random rant right there. But don't do what I did and smoke a bunch of pot and quit your job because you're a loser if you do that. I was a loser. I'll say it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what um, a lot of people uh, I try to urge a lot of people away from is making big life decisions and that last little bit of prep, Um, especially like friends or a client right now who I'm dealing with. 
Um, you don't really want to be making those decisions when you have that crazy motivational feeling of like, oh, you know, this is just going to carry out over to the rebound and off season. I'm just going to do all these things. And then you get to that point and you're like, oh, I actually don't want to do it. That was just prep talking and me being bored and having a lot of time on my hands because I'm hungry. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on with the recreational drug use is I've seen a lot of people actually become addicted to Adderall off the back end of prep. Yeah, so people will take Adderall, that, that kind of, you know, tired but wired feeling. Um, they, they take Adderall, kind of relieves it, makes them more productive on prep, um, and they just can't wean off of it in the offseason. I've seen that ruin a lot of people's lives, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that for sure. Um, I have no experience with it. I, I would like to – this sounds kind of fucked up because you just said not to do that. I'd like to try it my next prep, but um, – <laughs> You got to understand the dosage. Like, I don't have any firsthand experience, but if you're going to do it, start at five milligrams, please. If you're starting at 30, you're just high. You're not using that to, to help something. You're just high. <laughs> so use it to feel normal and, you know, not to feel extra, like, way up here. You just want to come back to, you know, I can function a little bit better. Yeah, I'll be pretty open and, and follow with Ben there that, like, uh, my last two preps, which was technically one prep because the shows were three weeks apart, was the first time ever in my five years of competing where I didn't quit my job at about four weeks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so definitely do not do that because what everyone's think thought process <clears throat> is, oh, well, you look at Nick Walker. He doesn't do anything. He's just a bodybuilder. If I did that, I could be the best bodybuilder in the world. You can still be the best bodybuilder in the world and have a job because bodybuilding is just eating your meals and working out for two hours out of the day. Like if you can't put your shit together for two hours out of the day, you have a bigger problem, right? Like there's obviously jobs that make it harder to eat, but um, yeah, we get to four weeks out. And for those of you who didn't know, I was a PD director at LA Fitness um, and I would always make like great money till about eight weeks out. And then I just couldn't talk to people. I was like, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. I don't want to talk to you. You're this stupid lady who's telling me you can't get in shape because you eat McDonald's every day. And that's what I would tell them. And then, of course, they wouldn't sign up for personal training. And then <laughs> I would just skip appointments. I'd be like, my sleep is more important than this idiot who has an appointment at 9 a.m. to meet with me for personal training. So I would be late and then I would go home early and then I'd quit my job and be like, you know what? I don't need to deal with these idiots. I don't want to deal with anyone. Um, I'm going to do what Ben said and just sit on my couch and my steps would go from like, you know, 12,000 a day being in the gym all day, walking the floor to, you know, 2000 a day pacing from the couch to the kitchen to the couch, to the bathroom. And then my cardio would go up. My stress levels would go up because now I'm no longer making money and I'm just spending all this money in prep. And I um, did not use recreational drugs. So yeah, it's like worse. And it took five years of me being an idiot to figure things out. So yeah, don't do that. It's a terrible idea. Can we just enjoy the fact, though, that, John, now you own a very successful coaching business and now you can very literally tell people to stop being a fat fuck and eating McDonald's and they pay you probably triple what you made at LA Fitness? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I am working on 
and I'm not going to say too much because this may bite me in the ass, but I am working on my communication. Um, to the <laughs> Early yesterday, I had to tell a client, hey, thanks for sticking around. I know I'm an asshole. <laughs> so um, yeah, still working on that. But uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the thing, though. When you get clients, the results that you're able to produce for these people, like being an asshole sometimes is what it takes. I had the, I had this conversation with a client and he was two weeks post-show. He filled, he didn't fill out his check-in form correctly for a second week in a row. And I was like, you and I just got off a phone call last week that you want to be an IFPB pro. What the fuck is this and why are you slacking? And he read the message and never replied to me. I was like, my man, respectfully, you need to reply to me. He goes, well, if you're going to bitch me out, I don't really like it. It made me, it made me mad and it doesn't, I don't blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, you played varsity sports in high school, right? Yes. What'd you play? Football. Cool. Pretty sure your football coach was an asshole, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, cool. You were a senior on that team. So you're a four-year veteran, which means you're quote unquote, not new to this. That first day of practice, you fuck up, you're running sprints. That last game of the season, you fuck up, you're running sprints. Thank you. <laughs> the look I'm getting of death right now as my food is delivered. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're you're running sprints i don't have the ability to be on your ass while you're poorly filling your check-in form out and um tell you to go run sprints but i am going to be on the other side of this phone telling you hey you want to be a pro i'm a pro i know what the fuck it takes and you know what i do i fill out my check-in form correctly every single week for my coach and that's the bare fucking minimum so i'm able to at least translate it over to them like that when they do give me a little bit of pushback on if I'm being an asshole, but I'm sometimes too nice at the same time, which is my, my, my thorn in my side. Yeah. I will straight up okay. tell people and cause just to be incredibly straightforward, I will say you are giving me less than the minimum amount of effort and communication that I need to guarantee the results that you came to me for. Because then it puts the responsibility on them. They can be mad that I told that truth to them, but they'll understand that it's true. I mean, I'm not just going to say that to push them even further than they told me to. Um, and that's worked well, but it also made one person quit before they started. But obviously, they didn't really want it. So, I mean, can't help that, right? Not everyone's a winner. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one knows them. <laughs> But yeah, no, and if it does bother them when you call them out like that, it's probably because they're not very happy with themselves either. They know you're right. And they're like, oh, shit, he's calling me out. I don't like this. But some people need to hear that. So it's important to do that sometimes, depending on the person. Yeah. All right. We're, li little tangent. John and Tom, actually everyone on here, since um, we all coach, and I'm not sure, like, John, I feel like you coach more of the experienced guys on this um, podcast right now. Do you guys notice as you have new clients coming on that the interest in the sport itself isn't there? Cause like before I even worked with a coach, before I even got into the sport, I knew enough. I sat on fucking Google on bodybuilding.com, uh, get shredded.com, get jacked.com, whatever the fuck was out there. And I learned everything I could. I just, I just, I just started working with a kid last week. I was like, Hey, how much do you know about the sport? He was like, well, I don't really, I don't really follow it. I was like, you just told me you want to take this long term. 
and you want to be a pro one day, you want to take the years that are necessary and build your physique to be a pro, but you're going to sit here and tell me you don't follow the sport at all. And I have more and more clients who are coming to me like they, they don't even pay attention to it. So are you guys experiencing that as well? Yeah, honestly, I think there's lessons that you can learn from just being, you know, immersed in the sport to a certain degree. Um, you, you're not going to really understand what it takes or what other people are going through um, unless you surround yourself with some people or at least online, uh, communicate with some people, watch some videos. Um, at least from my experience, before I even started bodybuilding, I was watching the Arnold and the Olympia. I was like a fan before um, I even you know started doing the sport myself. So um, I can't really relate with those people. It is kind of hard because you can't really force someone to be interested in a sport that they only want to participate in. It's kind of like, hey, you know, you want to play this video game. You got to watch videos in this video game before you play it. Um, but at the same time, I think it is important that you get people um, on board with at least, you know, immersing themselves in that culture and that sport to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, so like, honestly, and you guys probably be funny. Um, I was the the client you're talking about, Connor. Um, honestly, I, I did not follow the sport. I knew who Ronnie Coleman was, and I, I would watch the yell, but uh, yeah, buddy videos and yell at myself and make stupid noises before sets in the gym, which were definitely underperforming sets. But uh, I didn't follow the sport at all. Um, you know, I believe at one point. But did you? Did you know what you were getting into? Uh, to yeah. a degree. To a degree. Uh, I just knew that it was going to be hard, you know. Um, okay. But I, I didn't think I was going to have, like, instant success. I knew that I was undersized. And honestly, I didn't want to be Ronnie Coleman, you know. Like, I didn't want to look like that. I actually talked to Jeremy Buendia at uh, TCM Nationals earlier this year and told him the reason I got into the sport um, was because of him. I saw his physique and I was like, I never want to look like Ronnie Coleman. I'm not going to look like that, even if I did. Um, and so that was kind of like what I was chasing. And the more that I got obsessed with like, you know, the sport that carried over to where it is now and like moving up um, to classic and, and things like that. And, and that my love and passion for the sport grew. Um, so I was probably the client that you're talking about. However, what I'm seeing more, and I think this is what you're trying to relate to is I'm getting more clients who are like, I'm doing this because of the social media status. Um, I'm doing this because I see how Sebum has built his life from this sport or how Stephen Cowell doesn't work. He wakes up and does jujitsu or, or whatever the case may be. And he kind of works out and looks great and has like a pretty boy look. And that's what I see more and more of. Not so much of like, I'm getting into the sport because I think it's cool. And I, I want to try it out. If that makes sense. It's more of just like, like I, I want to go in all in on this and the benefits will come with me competing when it's quite frankly the opposite, right? Like we all know how much we have to pay to be able to compete. And if you do go pro and are able to even just pay your bills from competing, you're in the like 1% of the sport. That's what I see more of. Not so much of like the, the people who are just generally like, I went to a bodybuilding show and 
it looked awesome. I want to compete. Yeah, how many times I, do you I think guys... it's... My bad. Go ahead. Hmm. No, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, how many times do you get the question from clients um, about asking about their potential in the sport? My answer to that, whenever I get that, you know, that some people ask me, they're like, hey, do you think I have what it takes? I'm like, you're looking, you know, at bodybuilding as something that you're trying to get something out of. You're always going to be disappointed for the most part, unless you're Chris Bumstead, Nick Walker, um, unless it's, you know, something more mental uh, or, you know, more deeper than, you know, just social media following and uh, money or anything like that. Um, I try to tell people, you know, look at what you put into the sport and just simply love that first. If it's meant to be and you get something out of it, you may. Um, but just look at, you know, getting enjoyment out of it in the first place. Yeah, I, I think it's important. To, I mean, it sounds stupid, but obviously it's important to enjoy it. You know, don't do it because you're trying to get this or that. Like you should enjoy the the basics of what you need to do because you're going to be doing them every day. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, I, I think I totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was something I was going to say, but I totally lost it. Oh, I was um, but talking you're be about doing those those day in and day out things for a very long time before you see any type of benefit. Oh, and I remember. Yeah. So new people like that, they're like, hey, you know, what's my potential in that? Like, I don't really know yet. I mean, like, sure, I can see your your bone structure and like a little bit of muscle on there. But like, I don't even really know if you have the potential. You kind of got to do it enough before you can evaluate your physique and be like, Oh yeah, that that's like a very like rough draft of what it could look like. But it's like, dude, if you've been training for like a year, unless you're like you're crazy genetics and you just put on a bunch of muscle, I have no idea how much potential you have. The point is you gotta enjoy what you're gonna do, go for it for a few years and see what happens. And then you can be like, wait a minute, is it worth putting more into it and continuing along this path? I think the question that these that everyone needs to ask and that we as coaches need to rephrase for the client is if they come to us and they're like, Hey, do I have the genetic potential to make some X, Y, Z happen? We need to reframe it for them and be like, it's not about your physical potential, but do you have the potential mentally and within your ability to make that happen? Like perfect example. We all know Andre. He's one of my favorite clients to work with. He doesn't have the be best genetics and like he throws on a shit ton of muscle really fast or he's super lean all the time. But motherfucker, that kid's been a bodybuilder for what? what is it? It's September. He's been a bodybuilder for seven and a half months. He trains and executes as if he's been doing this for years. That's the potential factor right there that more, more clients need to look at and that's as coaches need to point out. And I tell him that all the time. I don't have to explain training to you. You trained with me for like four days and then you figured out, oh shit, I have to work this fucking hard to see this type of result. It's the client's ability to actually utilize whatever physical mental potential they have to make it happen. And then the result on the other end is looking like they have the potential to turn pro because they'll never look that way unless they're able to actually execute it that way. And, and you know what, really quick, and then I think we can move on, um, move forward. But I guarantee you, if you would have saw pretty much anyone in this podcast, because I don't think anyone in this podcast is a genetic anomaly. Um, 
if you would have saw them at their starting point and you would have said, do they have the potential? You would have probably just been like, no, no. Right. Like I guarantee you, if you saw Connor, when he had board shorts on, you would have been like, if this, this guy's going to be a classic physique pro, you would have said bullshit. Right. So 170 pounds. And I honestly think that's probably 90% of the people who go pro. Like, and, and it's really just them being consistent longer than you can eat chicken and rice. Like them eating chicken and rice more times, <clears throat> not missing meals, not missing training sessions over an extended period of time for a longer period than you could do it. That's, I truly believe that's what it comes down to for 90% of the people that come pro. And then the other 10%, those are the Olympians. Like, and there may be a few that squeak their way into there, like your Brett Wilkins and, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Charles Griffin and those people who are just not like the upper echelon. It's like, oh, you looked at them. It's like, this guy wants to go pro. He can go pro. But everyone else, you're probably the person who graduated high school at 170 pounds. And, you know, you got into this because you were the smaller kid. Very few of you are going to be that person who's like, oh, Correct. yeah. Correction. I was 150 pounds. Yeah. Same. I was 160. So, yeah. Small. What, um, what? guys, I don't know if anyone else had any other things. I was going to wrap up with the last topic. Did anyone else have anything else they want to say? Uh, no, I mean, really, it's just, yeah, it's just consistency over time, right? I mean, that's really the secret. Everybody's always wanted to know the secret. That's what it is. It's just doing things longer than the other person. That's really why where we are right now. The ability to do it longer than others. Yeah. Then to keep lower while doing it because the mind and body are basically one thing. I mean, one famous quote that people say to exemplify this is where the mind goes, the body will follow. So doing all the right things and making them feel like a comfortable-ish part of your routine most of the time, I would say, is the overall process. Uh, Connor, because you are the other pro, did you have anyone in like your first couple shows that beat you? And now they're like still potentially maybe even look the same or still fighting to try and go pro. You went pro before them. Well, sir, I've done 12 shows. So that's a lot. Um, I'm honestly going to go with probably 90% of the people I have ever stepped on stage with have not turned to pro. genuinely like i i really think it's probably even higher than 90 percent. there's only one kid out of pennsylvania who i don't so i haven't caught up with him in a little while but um if he wants to he, he can go uh be on the olympia stage after he gets his pro card in maybe like a year and a half if he puts if he actually dedicates the time to it um just like that much of a genetic freak. But genuinely, I don't, I can't think of a single other fucking person I've competed with. No, one other. He turned pro before me, but notably so and well-deserved. Outside of that, I can't think of anyone else. 
10, uh, 10 shows. Uh, out of the, like, I think three regional shows I did, my first show ever, the guy who beat me and won the overall, he didn't go pro till this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was three other people who I know uh, that, that went pro. And they went pro before me. They were just genetically, I will say, better than me. And I don't want to say, like, I'm further along than them in the sport now. But I will say, like, the rate that I've progressed at and they've progressed at since becoming pros is it comes down to literally just being able to what we talked about doing those things consistently over an extended period of time. And there's obviously, a, a and I can't say that I'm not that person, but we all probably know there's a lot of people that have gone pro and then it's like, Oh shit, you did everything in the book to get pro and, or go pro. And now you have not done shit just because it was like, you threw everything at it. So, yeah, I think you and I, I think you and I are a great comparison of that. I went pro back in 2021. I haven't made my pro debut yet. And in all honesty, the progress I've made on my physique since turning pro is fucking minimal in reality. Watching you over the past, what I've known you nine months now, going on 10 months, and the progress you've made is greater than the progress I've made in the past two and a half years, which is just one astounding to see because that's just freaking awesome to watch a friend and somebody close um, at MI40 and just the gym I go to make that type of progress. But also just a testament to the statement you made in and of itself. Like you execute better than I do. You've been able to execute better than I do. And the progress shows for it. And my lack of progress shows for it. So like it does, it's not even just on the amateur level. It's on every level that that can be seen. I think you're selling yourself a bit short there. I think we all would agree on that. But uh, I, 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 I always will. <laughs> so with that being said, the final thing we wanted to touch on, obviously, is what goals do you have for yourself? What are you wanting out of the sport? Where do you see yourself? Um, I know we so, talked about And we can transition this also to your coaching as well, because I know you're looking uh, for assistant coaches. So everyone go to Connor's page. He's looking for assistant coach. As long as you don't put that you're photosynthesizing or whatever it was in the the thing, like you you don't sleep, you photosynthesize food or something along those lines. uh, He will take your application seriously. So, so that was, that was uh, summer in the other room she was like hey can i fill out your application just to see what the questions are because she hadn't seen the form and she just wanted to see what it looked like and go through it and she was like can i fill it out and make it funny and i was like yes of course um but yes please uh if you're listening to this and you have any um desire to coach pursue coaching and you have some experience under your belt go check out my instagram page the application there is in the bio link um and we're about to chat more but anyway there's that shameless plug um but for my future right now like i in reality still have 10 pounds i can put on for a pro stage so i'm just gonna do what it takes to do that over the next 10 months or a year plus i'm in no rush i'm gonna pursue building my business as a coach for the next year and then um reality is when i do decide to prep again none of you fuckers are gonna know 
Um, when I turned pro in 2021 and the regional show I did before that, I didn't post about it. I didn't talk about it, told nobody. The people at my gym kind of knew, but I wore sweats and a sweatshirt every day during the summer um, to the gym, never wore a tank top at the gym. And by the time I got to Arizona, because that, that was the year that um, the second year that USA's was in Arizona, and I started posting that I was going to be on stage, everyone of the mother was like, wait, you're fucking competing? But yeah. And I enjoyed that prep more than any prep I've ever done. So next go around, uh, whenever that might be, plan is to start prep at like 265, 270, and then end prep at around 240, and end prep um, stepping on stage and have all you fuckers be like, oh, cool. Good luck this weekend. Had no idea. <laughs> well, you just gave it away. So when we see you wearing a hoodie and sweatpants in the middle of July, I'm going to call your ass out. No, uh, no, that's the thing. I'm just going to disappear from MI40 <laughs> altogether. EOS. Um, as far as like that, what are you wanting out of the sport since you gave us an idea of what you'll wear next time you'll prep? <laughs> um, I just want to compete as a pro just at least once. Just to say that I did. And then, because reality is when I started bodybuilding, the only goal I ever set for myself was I want to turn pro. People asked me, okay, what happens after that? I was like, I don't know. I'm focused on this. I want to turn pro. And then I turned pro. Didn't have a goal written down. Never was like, oh, I want to make it to the Olympia stage. I want to be the best in the world at this. Um, it was, I want to be a professional bodybuilder. And then now it's, okay, I want to compete as a professional bodybuilder. So that way in 30 years when I'm just old and decrepit, I don't have any regrets that I didn't do it. And then I'll compete, see how I feel, see how I do. If I feel good, if I place well, compete at another show within that same time frame, see how I do, see how I feel, and then take it from there. I'm not going to set anything um, lofty or far out for myself just because I realized for me um, with past experiences, the best results that I produce just come from enjoying the process and enjoying the sport itself versus putting the pressure on myself to achieve in reality, like uh, this is gonna be so fucking shitty for me to say on a bodybuilding podcast, but at the end of the day, most of the world doesn't fucking know who Chris Bumstead is. We don't matter. <laughs> we matter to a small, small microscopic part of in of society and the world. So, like, setting a lofty goal for it in, for myself is like, I don't know. I don't really. I don't have that aspiration. I just want to enjoy it. And, if good opportunities arise, I'll roll with it. I'll enjoy it from there. Do you have a, a I'm sorry, some, were you going to say I, something? You're good. Um, no, I, th I, th I was just going to say, I think, you know, making progress and, and achieving goals and things like that, I, I don't really think it happens without enjoying it. I mean, I've had instances within bodybuilding where I'm not enjoying it and I don't get much done, you know? I mean, I think that's almost a prerequisite of doing all this is is enjoying it otherwise you're not going to continue to do it and going back to what we were saying it's consistency over time so if you're unable to be consistent because you're not enjoying it then what's the what's the point like exactly 
why are you doing it? <laughs> are you doing it to look cool? Like, you know, you need a, a better reason than, oh, it's cool. Like it, it needs to mean something to you for you to really get anything out of it or to go anywhere with it. Yeah. And um, since we've all kind of briefly touched on this, at least I know Ben and I have, do you have an age that you would like to be out of the sport? Do you have family goals? Um, I know summer basically takes care of you. <laughs> the food she put in front of me was very, very, <laughs> that's a, that's a rarity. I have to beg for that. Um, yeah. I'd like to be out of it by, well, that's a lie. I've always said by the time I'm 30, if I'm not being paid to continue doing it, I'm done. But if there's monetary compensation that comes in that makes it worth it to continue, I'll continue. But let's be honest. If I, I could go buy like two BMWs if I didn't bodybuild. <laughs> it's a fucking ridiculously expensive sport. So um, there comes a time where it's like, okay, how much more do I want to continue to invest without on a return and investment um into this sport more than also the other investment is my health so by the time i'm 30 if i'm being paid to continue doing it i'll continue doing it but i'll cross that bridge when i get there and how old are you 28 oh, okay fuck me i'm old. only a small clock on only a small clock on that <laughs> I'll be third of this year. Sometime so. begins. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot John, you're older. Yeah, I'll be third. <laughs> that's um, why you have that dense, mature muscle. That makes sense now. Old man muscle. That's questionable. Uh, <laughs> at best. Uh, yeah, do you guys have anything you wanted to comment on that? No, nope, all good. All right, so a uh, last thing then terms of your business um everything like that obviously where can people find you and then what are you wanting for your coaching where are you trying to drive that direction we're all coaches here um and then ben has a side hustle where he rubs people down yes i do <laughs> it's called massage therapy. coaching wise <laughs> <laughs> no no happy no happy endings in those rubdowns ah. um coaching wise you can just find me at my uh Instagram, classic coaching, classic with a K. Um, link for a client application you can find there in my bio. Uh, for me and my clients and what I'm pushing more so with my business, uh, frankly, I love coaching competitors, but I'm pushing to get away from entirely um, driving to only coach them. Frankly, the most enjoyment I get out of uh, working with my clients is like guys and girls anywhere from like, 25 35 40 who work a or have a stable career that they're focused in that they enjoy but then were former or former athletes in their own right got away from uh got away from the habits which they utilized back in college back in high school that kept them looking good feeling healthy and just looking to get back on track and back into a healthy and uh better body for themselves so those typical um, clients are the ones that I'm really enjoying working with now. I'm going to be pushing more so to work with in the future. Dan, you want to talk about your rub downs more? 
Oh, I mean, John makes fun of me almost every episode. I don't rub people. I massage them. It's uh, <laughs> my career of choice. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's not what you think. So if it's if it's what you think, don't even don't book a session, please. <laughs> massage is just too soft of a word for the pain that you have to inflict on most of us to unfuck our issue. That, that is fair. Yeah, it makes it sound very relaxing, and you know, I'm I'm not that guy. So if you're trying to relax, <laughs> go somewhere else. <laughs> if you're trying to get a beat down, call Ben. Yeah, yeah. not in the not in the sexual way that you're thinking. <laughs> All right, before we get too derailed, thank you for coming on, Connor. Obviously, there is a lot of value that we got out of this episode for people who are thinking of getting into bodybuilding. For people who have been in this for a while, lots of great perspectives shared. Definitely got very real with the different uh, potentially dark aspects of what goes into a prep. We came up with a checklist for everyone of things you should look at before you consider doing a prep. Um, I would encourage your coach to go through this list with you if they do not have some form of uh, survey, as Connor called it, already. Um, let's see. We talked about fun, crazy orals talked about um, how awesome it is, you know, being a coach and how Connor has grown his business and how bodybuilding is just one potential avenue to, you know, move throughout your life. Like Connor really only wants to do this till he's 30. Um, and I think some people, you know, need to hear that. The last episode when I was talking about, you know, having the first exposure talk, like the drug talk with people, I was talking about how is this going to affect your life? I think we can take that even broader and apply to how will bodybuilding affect your life? How are you going to use this to serve you in your life? Um, and I think we hit on a lot of points that covered that, which I, I think is very fantastic. Um, 